Hi, my name is Sarah Bentley Pearson, and I am excited to share my podcast, which features wonderful talent that I've been so lucky to discover in the Southeast. This was born out of a list that I created in 2015 called Sarah's List, and through my work in real estate, which I've been doing since 2005, and styling work, and just my personal life and my personal interests, I've been able to meet so many wonderful people, and I'm excited to share them with you. So I was really fortunate to be nominated to dance with Dancing Stars of Atlanta, and I am raising money, the Alzheimer's Association, and I am super excited to have Leslie Holland and Bryn Crash Frazier here to talk about what I'm doing and to talk about Alzheimer's. So thank you guys for coming. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So ironically, since I started, you know, it's like looking for the red car when you're told to look for the red car. And I read the New York Times and it seems like every week an interesting story is coming up about Alzheimer's. And it is a really evil disease. And so I feel really privileged to be able to do something like this. But I sort of did it for selfish reasons also, because I was like, I want to learn something new and I want to challenge. So thank you for coming. And Bryn, I'm going to start with you just because you handle Dancing Stars. And um, why don't you just tell everybody about the event? Um, even yeah. though I'm doing it, there are plenty of other people, and I'd love to hear more about it from your point of view. Absolutely. Um, Dancing Stars is a very unique model for the Alzheimer's Association. It is actually only here in Georgia and then in Baltimore. So the other galas have a very different format, but what's so great about this is that we're able to engage big names and people in the community, get them engaged with the association, and really raising awareness and raising funds. So instead of your standard gala format, we do have this year it'll be 12 socialites like yourself, all dancing and competing. For... I didn't know I was a socialite, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I consider you. <laughs> but yes, we'll have these 12 amazing competitors coming together, knowing that they're raising funds for the Alzheimer's Association, but they get to compete in a very lovely dance competition um, and try and win the Mirrorball trophy. So that is our signature. It is Mirrorballs everywhere. I, I see them every day at this point. But it is a, just a very unique gala format that I don't think um, many other galas in the city have that really fun, unique aspect where you guys are competing in terms of, oh, you're fundraising and you're raising awareness, but it's also just like this great friendly competition where you guys get to perform and wear lovely dresses and do all of this for, this year it'll be 760 people in the city. We, we've downsized a little bit from 1,000, but it is still one of the largest galas in Atlanta. Right. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I'm, it's weird. I don't have a competitive bone in my body. So everybody is like, are you going to win? I'm like, I just want to get through this. Like I want to <laughs> learn something new. And I, my uh, dance partner, Vincent, is just the sweetest guy and he's really sparking a lot of joy for me. So I feel, I feel lucky to have this opportunity. I do feel like this mm -hmm. is such an important disease. And I mean, every, every cause you can have that. I mean, I worked in nonprofit when I was younger and I know, I know, I know your pain, you know, <laughs> and how hard it is to get people to be aware. But, um, Leslie, why don't you tell the audience about, you know, it sounds like, uh, the Alzheimer's Association 
does a lot around the whole, you know, just, I don't know what the word is, but just everything that's involved in trying to find a cure and just everything that is needed if you are unfortunate enough to have a family member with Alzheimer's. Yes. And I love the way, you know, you say that we, because we are trying to tackle the issue as a very holistic approach. So not only are we providing care and support for families, but we are also um, doing advocacy. So we have people at the Capitol who are lobbying for legislative change that will help families in Georgia that are dealing with the disease. We've got um, people who are lobbying on the federal level. Um, and this is all within the you know just the Georgia chapter. Mm. Um, we have people doing this work. So we've also got, like you said, research. We, um, this year, or I'm sorry, in 2023 alone, we are still in 2023. Um, so this year alone, the association nationwide has um, invested $100 million in research. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, that's it's, amazing. Yeah, like 600000 of that is here in Georgia. We've got um, like 19 ongoing uh, funded researchers and research projects around the state at different universities and different um, entities, um, hospitals, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then, um, you know, providing necessary care and support to those families. So we try to tackle the disease in a big circular way. Yeah, I was impressed with that when I was reading up on the association and everything that you all do. Who who are some of your biggest sponsors, like corporate sponsors that stand behind this? Well, you know, we've got, um, it's really interesting because we have a lot of like national celebrity champions. Mm. Um, but then we also have, um, some, some corporations here in Georgia. Now we are funded, um, by donor dollars. So, you know, we really rely heavily on a lot of donor dollars, but like for our walk to end Alzheimer's, for instance, um, Edward Jones is a national sponsor. Um, ASI is a national sponsor. They are, um, they have um, just released in the last year, year and a half, one of the treatments that is um, actually changing the course of the disease. Um, and then, but like for the walk in Alzheimer's, it's a grassroots level kind of thing. So most of our donors and our sponsors for the walk, for instance, are you and your family joining a team, forming a team and raising money, or me and my family and my friends, you know, raising money and a team for the walk. Um, We do have some corporate sponsorships there as well, but the walk is much more grassroots in Georgia. Um, and then the gala is more of a, you know, a corporate sponsor model as well. Mm. So you're looking at people, um, we do have some, you know, in Georgia, we do have some um, funding from some big groups that are um, nationwide, like Google and that kind of thing. Um, but it's mostly Georgia-based companies um, and, and Georgia-based uh, people. Because we're really um, focusing on, and you know, on our level, boots on the ground, trying to make a difference with the disease. 
we are really focused on Georgia's families. Mm-hmm. And right now there's more than 150,000 people in Georgia that are over the age of 65 living with Alzheimer's. So when you look at that number of people, there's almost 350,000 people who are friends and loved ones who are providing unpaid care for them. So we're really trying to embrace Georgia's families. Um, and, you know, we do that in all of the programs that we do, the programs, the education, the advocacy, um, all of the research, all of that um, is funded by either, not all of it, but most of it is funded by either Walk to End Alzheimer's or like the Dancing Stars Gala, um, which is why this gala is so important and and you know it's so great that it's pressure though i'm like okay i'm like a third of the way in and thank god i roped my husband into helping me because it's hard for me and my nature to ask for money and you know i i but i'm gonna do it i'm doing it but you know it just it's it it is a lot of pressure but i everybody who has done it has told me it's a life changer to do it on sort of like a somber um sort of approach to it. I'm curious just what I noticed the national um, amount of people who have Alzheimer's is like the city, the size of the city of Atlanta. Like imagine everybody in Atlanta had Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. which was sort of shocking to me, but I guess heart disease and stuff is probably way higher. But what are some of the signs if somebody is feeling, is it just memory? Are there any other signs that somebody possibly could have Alzheimer's or be on their way? To- that's that's an excellent question because <clears throat> there are, so dementia is the umbrella. A lot of people don't understand this, so that's why I'm mm-hmm. going over it real quick. But dementia is an overall umbrella. And then under it, you have like Alzheimer's and frontotemporal dementia, which is what Bruce Willis has. Lewy body, Parkinson's, um, you know, a bunch of different dementias under it. Alzheimer's is the most common and the one that has the most people, sadly. Um, So a lot of people ask that, well, what if I lose my keys? Well, it's not the fact that you're losing your keys. It's you are putting your keys in the refrigerator and you don't know to go back to get them. It's personality, your personality is changing. Um, It's you walk into a room and, because we all walk into the room and we're like, wait, why am I coming here again? (laughs) Because we're so distracted. Mm -hmm. But it's when you stand there and you get stuck and you don't know where you are or why you came into that room. Or um, maybe you have misplaced something and you can't retrace your steps. You don't know where you have been to go back and retrace your steps. Um, so there's there are about 10 different warning signs. Um, and I would say a one, a one-off here and there is not something to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're seeing multiples of them, then I think it's time to, um, to have that initial conversation with your doctor. And I think um, what we're, because we have made such strides in research, and we now have these treatments that are FDA approved, they're approved by Medicare, we've never had them in the past, and they actually change the course of the disease. So Meaning they, it slows it down? It slows down the progression mm-hmm. while we are finding a cure. Mm-hmm. So obviously they target the earlier stages of the disease, right? Because 
you don't want to slow it down when it's, you know, when you have very little quality of life. You want to slow it down in the front end Mm -hmm. when people can still make decisions. They can still do things with their families and make those memories and be involved in their care and, you know, all of that. So you are, um, so what we are encouraging people now that we have these treatments, but they are effective in the early stages, we are really encouraging people Go have a go to your general doctor and your G, your GP and talk to him and just say, hey, give me a memory screening or, um, you know, give me a baseline, and because you can do a quick, you know, a quick little test. Um, so it's not really a blood test; it's like a baseline test. We of- are working on a on a blood test, and okay. that is coming very soon. Oh, That's okay. part of the research. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are telling people now that like. For instance, I just turned 50. I'm going to go very soon, and my sister and I, she's nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. We're going to go and get a just a baseline memory screening so that later on, if we start seeing some sort of, you know, changes or signs or anything like that, we at least have a baseline that the doctor can go from. Um, and so... We, you know, that's what we're really encouraging people to do is just have those conversations with your doctor, talk to, you know, get a baseline, um, and then, you know, you may not see anything. You may never see any issue. You may see an issue 10 years down the road, maybe 15 years, but at least then you've got kind of a baseline where they can compare it, Um, especially if you have dementia in your family. So my dad died at age 68 of early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. My mother's family has generalized dementia in her family. So, And doesn't everybody, I mean, you get to a certain age, start forgetting a little bit. I mean, I, my mother didn't um, have Alzheimer's. She died at 79 or anything like that. But she was like, you know, something, it's, gets harder to remember certain mm-hmm. things. Well, and aging is the is the the biggest risk factor honestly, you know, for for Alzheimer's and dementia. So, so in other words, if you live long enough, pretty much a lot of people will show certain signs. Yes. I believe it's 1 in 3 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1 in 3. And there is, you know, there is normal normal memory loss and normal cognitive decline as we age. Mm-hmm. So again, that's when people need to really know kind of these signs and and when you're seeing more than one sign at a time, or, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, my mother forgot her keys. Do I need to, you know, do I need to call her doctor? You know, there's not, you don't need to panic about that. But, you know, if you see signs, um, multiple signs over time, then, you know, it's time to. to and I don't know where I've read it, but I am very into health and preventative health. And uh, it seems to me that there are some things that, can go along with Alzheimer's. In other words, I, th- I think I remember reading, uh, you know, lack of exercise, sugar, maybe alcohol too, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But so, can you tell uh, the audience about things that have been linked to Alzheimer's? Absolutely. So we have, um, again, with the research and the, you know, the dollars that have funded research, one of the things that we have learned through research is that healthy body links to a healthy brain. So if you're managing your numbers, like, um, you know, your, your blood pressure, your, um, cholesterol, your heart, you know, um, all of that is, and, and, 
exercise and healthy eating and, you know, good nutrition that's good for your brain, like the DASH diet, the Mediterranean diet, those are some of the best for brain health. What is the DASH diet? I don't think I know Um, what that is. So it's a little bit, it's, it's very similar to the Mediterranean diet. And I honestly cannot remember what the DASH stands for, Mm -hmm. but it's a mix of um, lots of green vegetables, um, minimum, <clears throat> minimal processed food, um, healthy fats, um, fish, and you know that kind of thing that give you the the good vitamin E and, and so no like oils. no fast food on the regular like right. no no you know just basic health right eating eating real food. <clears throat> that you know came from the ground and you know that kind of thing right um all of that is going to help you age better overall which is also going to help your brain age better um, now there are some people who have the genetic code for alzheimer's and you can stave if you have the genetic code and you live well um you can probably stave it off a little longer um but you know there is a genetic element to not to everyone obviously but you know um there are some people who do have that genetic code and it runs in their family um and you know there are some things that you can do but for the general public um you can actually you know absolutely um, mitigate some of the risk factors by living healthy and exercising and socializing. You know, mm. people, that was one thing um, that was so awful during COVID is, you know, people were so isolated, especially the elderly were mm-hmm. so isolated. Well, that doesn't help your brain at all. Oh, interesting. That isolation, you need, your brain needs socialization. Your brain needs that activity to stay you know, it's like and even just like I would think if you're isolated, you're not really communicating mm-hmm. with other people. It's not kind of firing that right. that response. Because, again, your brain is a muscle. And, you know, we all know about muscle memory. And, and you know, if you don't use your muscles, they atrophy. Well, it's the same thing with the brain. And this is why I'm doing Dancing Stars. <laughs> like exactly. learning something new. There exactly. is a huge mind-body connection. It's one of the reasons we adapted the model because – healthy living, like movement. It's just, it's crazy how it activates both the left and the right part of your brain. And it really does help with the mind. Well, and I mean, just this morning, I got something from the New York Times about a crossword puzzle. And I'm like, I'm too stupid. I don't, I cannot, (laughs) this is a short one. And I don't know any of these answers. I got I'm, that alert too, and I was like, "Oh, Ew, I not can't, this I one. can't do that." I'm like, that just must be a different brain. I mean, I I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I wouldn't consider myself the dumbest. And I'm like, how can I not do these? But it's you know, it's a totally different uh, mindset. Well, so I was under the impression that the Atlanta Dancing Stars was number two next to Tulsa. So the numbers will be released in January. We will be having our annual summit in New Orleans, Louisiana this year. Mm -hmm. And the final top five or top ten rankings will be coming out. I have it on good authority that we are definitely in the top five. Mm -hmm. And it looks like we are coming in our number two place. However, subject to end of year counting and finalizations, we could shift into one. We could shift down to three. So Mm -hmm. we will, um, very exciting stuff to come in the next few weeks for sure. So stay tuned. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm really excited about, about it. And I feel like, you know, uh, I was 
referencing these New York Times articles, and there was one where a, a man, I don't know what his age was, but let's say it's like in the 60s or 70s, um, had Alzheimer's, and so his spouse had to put him into memory care because it was getting really hard. And while he was living in this new facility with memory care, he got a girlfriend. And he didn't remember her anymore. But she had had such a beautiful marriage with him, she just had to be okay with it. You know, the phase of, but I can't imagine what that would be like for a spouse to spend your whole life with somebody and then not remember who you are. And I just, I was really touched by that for some reason because I just thought, you know, that erases something for her as well, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it... And as a caregiver, I would think, and I don't, you know, I, I would I would think <clears throat> that either that could absolutely break your heart, which as a family member, I know I've, it has happened in our family, and, you know, my dad forgot who we were and, you know, all of that. So I, I know the heartbreaking side of that, but also I could see, you know, how many of our years on in hindsight being 2020, I could see also in that kind of situation, how for a caregiver that could take some of that emotional sting out. Um, Because what I have heard from some people I know, like for instance, a friend of mine in Houston, his mother got sick. And when she had Alzheimer's, instead of calling her mom, he called her Joyce because her name was Joyce. So he was able to, and that was his coping mechanism, how he could kind of detach himself a little bit from the father or the the mother-son relationship and be like, I'm her best friend caregiver. I'm calling her Joyce. And so I think that he was able to, um, you always grieve and the grieving process is always so, so difficult. But I think as a caregiver and that ongoing daily difficulty of giving care, I think that was, um, you know, just that simple thing was a, made him able to step back just a, a little bit um, so that he could give that daily care without just his heart being broken right. every single time he, you know, it's almost like compartmentalizing. Like you're exactly. able to put it into different mm-hmm. sectors. I've, I've heard several stories about caregivers who have even, they, they were married at one point, And then because of the diminished capacity, they thought they were still married. And people have stepped into that role and come back and been like a, a familiar Oh, face. in other words, like they got divorced, but yes. then they, they, the person with Alzheimer's still thought they were remembered still married. They were together. And the, the stories are heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, there's something kind of beautiful in the caregiver story because I think it teaches you a lot about the human condition and just people's capacity to like love and embrace each other. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking even from the woman whose husband didn't remember her anymore, it would be worse if he was like, why are you leaving me here? And da 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 da. Like, he's. He's actually happy and okay where he is. Well, and that, the first part is a stage of it also, which um, is why what we did with my dad, when it was time for him to go into memory care, there's four of us kids and mom was his daily caregiver. So anytime anything difficult had to be done that we thought he might be mad about or whatever, we did it because then he would be mad at the four of us and not mad at the person who was giving him daily care. Mm. So like when it was time for him to go into memory care, we took all of his stuff, moved it into his room, 
um, you know, he had his bed and his favorite chair and his favorite blanket and, you know, his clothes were in the drawer and all of that. Um, and then we took him. Mom stayed home and we told her, don't, you need to stay away for two or three days. Let him get acclimated. So we took him there and we, we were like, you know, here's your new apartment. We are moving you to an apartment. It's going to be so exciting. You're going to be with all these people. And um, so we moved him into his room and we did that. We did the quote unquote dirty work. Um, and he at first was like, wow, this is really cool. Like all my stuff's here. Like what, you know, and then he went through a, a little, a small phase where he was angry and why am I here? And I want to go home. And we're like, this is your home. This is your new apartment. And, you know, so you have to, you have to kind of spin that. And then we, like I said, we told mom to stay away for two or three days so that he could acclimate. Um, and so by the time um, she came back to visit, um, you know, he had acclimated a little bit, was having fun with people there. Um, so that initial phase of why am I here and I'm angry that I'm here and I want to go home, that fell on all of us, um, which made her life a little bit easier as the caregiver. Yeah, I think I, I, my grandmother, who was in her 80s, I, I don't know if it was full-blown Alzheimer's, but I kind of think it was, or heavy dementia, and she, you know, there were bursts of anger with my mother, and my mother made these photo albums for her, of her life, that she could, she could look at, so at least some of it made sense, but yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's almost like it's not easy for the family members more than it even is for the person. Absolutely. the person mm -hmm. is you know, sort of halfway in and halfway out. Uh, well, I, I'd like to finish with the event since I'm doing it. And if you could just tell the audience a little bit about it. I know it's May 11th, but um, just, you know, how people can get tickets. And I, I've been sending my link out, so we'll probably attach my link on this. But if you can just tell everybody about the event, that would Fantastic. be great. So the event is May 11th at the Intercontinental here in Buckhead. Unfortunately, we are sold out of tickets and tables, which is a great problem to have. We still have some sponsorship levels available that are our premium placement tables, but we did sell out with a record number this year at the last week of November, which means that our event is um, people are finding out about it. They're getting more involved. Um, people like you, our star dancers, really did the job this year in getting their friends and their families excited to be in the room that evening. Um, this will be our first year at the Intercontinental. Um, and we're very excited to see that change. But if anyone would like to donate or get involved, you can always visit the www.dancingstarsofatlanta.com website to make general donations to the event or to support Sarah here. Um, and I will make sure that she has all of the links to connect with you guys and push out to the audience. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for coming. I, I, think, I think not only because I'm doing this, but it's a really important cause. So I've worked in nonprofits, so thank you for all you're doing. Well, and thank you for what you're doing because, you know, one thing, what Bryn did not say is that what you guys are doing is amazing. Like you said, you're learning something totally new. We're talking about people just like you who are not professional dancers. They get paired with a professional dancer. So, you know, you're learning something new. You're out there doing something totally out of your comfort zone. And a lot of people don't, 
you know, a lot of people are too afraid to do that. So kudos to you for, and she's for well. being willing to get out there. She's well on her way to her $65,000 goal. She was one of the first table purchases I saw come through. She nice. was like, here's my table, here's my funds. And she, yeah, I you've think done I sold four job. tables, but I still have a long way to go. And it's a lot of pressure, but, you know, I, I know we'll be able to do it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I'm super psyched about my sponsor for the podcast. She's a great friend of mine and also a previous guest. Her name is Lisa Stein. Her work is stunning. We all layer it and wear it all the time. It's great jewelry to wear day to night. I barely go a day without it, and I think you would too once you start collecting it. She's been so nice to give all of my listeners a discount. Go to LASTein.com, you put in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H 15, and you will get a discount. Just put in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H 15. 